All right, Mr. Sorbo, uh, how did you get involved with uh, Jenny Gold's project, Cinemability? Um, I'm just, you know, friends with her. I've known her for a long time. I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not really, like, involved with the project per se. I did a movie called Soul Surfer, which dealt with uh, uh, Bethany Hamilton's story when she got attacked by a great white shark, I mean, a, a tiger shark off the north shore of Kauai. Um, and, um, you know, I did this movie with Dennis Quaid and Helen Hunt, and it just showed how this little girl was still able to uh, go on a year later without one arm and still win the world championships in the junior division. And uh, that's really how, you know, we've never worked together. We've talked about doing some movies together, but um, that's why when she reached out to me, I was like, okay, um, I'm not really part of her movie, I don't think, in any way, but I haven't seen her physically in, I don't know, five years, six years. So <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping I can give you some stuff here, but I, I don't know what, what, more I can, what more I can tell you, to be honest. Okay, um, I guess I guess we could speak about like a representation of disabilities on on film or on TV. Um, when when making when making that movie, what were some of the um, challenges of of for the actor at least to portray someone that's lost an appendage and still make that performance believable and, and keep the audience involved to suspend their disbelief that this, this person actually is suffering from that uh, from that injury? Well, obviously it starts with a script. It was a wonderful script, and uh, uh, Anna Sophia Robb played Bethany. Um, a lot of it obviously was, was green-screened. Uh, they, just, they just put, like, this green sleeve on her arm, and she tried to hide it as much as she could during her performance. Mm -hmm. But uh, it, it's in the script, and it's also in the story Bethany has. She was on set every single day. Uh, working with Anna Sophia and uh, was such an inspiration to everybody because it's just amazing. Because I remember when that happened. I remember the story of this little 13-year-old girl, and she used it as a way to spread the word of God, which was mm -hmm. blew my mind. Because I said, "How many adults losing an arm would do that?" And, and you know, instead of wallowing in the misery and feeling sorry for themselves, this happened to them. This little girl used it as a positive, and that just sort of blew my mind. And when they called me and said we'd like to be part of the movie, I jumped on board right away because I, I certainly remember the, the big news it was when, when this happened years ago. So. Speaking about uh, religion in film, um, it's, it's something that it doesn't seem to always make it to the mainstream. And why do you think that is? I think there's a big pushback. I mean, Hollywood has done a very good job of sort of putting a taboo in movies like that. I mean, when, even when they do to themselves – they seem to hire, like you look at, um, uh, they redid the Exodus movie, and they re, they did the Noah story with Russell Crowe, and they hired atheist directors for it, which, which kind of blew my mind, since most of Hollywood has run, um, and always has been run, sort of, and part of, uh, the, in the Jewish empire, so to speak, and uh, the Old Testament is the Jewish Bible, and why would they hire an atheist director for a story that comes from the Old Testament? So that, that's a head-scratcher for me always. But I did a little movie called God's Not Dead that was low-budget, $2 million budget, and I made $70 mm -hmm. million U.S. and another $70 million worldwide. So uh, it definitely, there's an audience out there for it. It just has to, you know, get the proper word of mouth and, uh, 
get lucky, but I mean, there's certainly more and more of these are being made. I did a movie um, called Let There Be Light that I directed as well. Uh, we shot it on a shoestring budget, and it's made $12 million so far between theatrical DVD and streaming. So I've got uh, another one coming out next year that I just directed called Miracle in East Texas, and uh, very proud of the movie. I just did my cut on it and hopefully be in theaters by next spring. Uh, another one called One Nation Under God, which talks about putting that phrase back into our Pledge of Allegiance. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, just, I just got a mixture of things. I like to do family-friendly movies. They don't necessarily have to be faith-based movies. But, uh, you know, I, I think we spread such a negative message out there through our media and television and uh, news and everything else. It just gets so tiring and exhausting. And, I, you know, I used to get stopped all the time for people saying, hey, we loved you on Hercules, I loved you on Andromeda. But now 80% of the time it's people saying, hey, keep, keep making family-friendly movies. We appreciate it. So there's a huge audience out there, and for some reason – um, it, it gets ignored. I, I don't understand why. I mean, it's called show business after all. Why wouldn't you go after all kinds of markets? I'm not a prude in any way. So to me, it's like, yeah, make the movies you want to make, but why are you ignoring such a large segment of the population? I I think something, I, I guess I could be candid now. Uh, like yourself, I'm, I kind of stick out in the entertainment industry because I come from a blue-collar background. I was raised Episcopalian, kind of lost my faith as I got more and more into the industry. And then it just, uh, when the election happened two years ago, it just kind of like, just hit me like, I I just don't think like the rest of these people. I don't I don't view everyone that isn't, uh, <laughs> isn't on the left as an enemy anymore. Why, why is it every time I come onto a set, it's just nothing but just bashing the other side? And oh, it's unbelievable, the hatred, the divisiveness, and, you know, the left screams for tolerance, and yet it's a one-way street. Same thing for freedom of speech. And it's just weird. I think it's just sort of been building on itself and building on itself through the last 50 years, but the last 10 years is just totally accelerated. And, uh, you know, as I talk to my friends on the left side, you know, we have so great debates. But, you know, you talk about the, the number of people, over 50% of, of people under the age of 30 think socialism is a good thing. And I go, oh, my God, these guys have no idea what they're saying. I mean, socialism and communism killed over 100 million people in the last century alone. Capitalism didn't kill anybody. You know, I mean, it's not, is it the perfect system? No, but it's the best system out there. I mean, America was built on individuals, not on big government. So uh, to me, it's like you've got to be kidding me. I, I tell people, you know, I, look, I love Canada, so this isn't a bath towards Canada. But tell me why, when both of our countries formed relatively the same time, we're both well over 200 years old as countries, America has 340 million people now. Canada is 30 million. Why is that? Why did, what is for every one American that moved to Canada, 20 Canadians moved to America? Mm-hmm. Now, you know the reason. I know the reason. But they'll never say the reason why it is on the left. Uh, so the reasons are obvious to me. If it was so great to live under a socialist banner, why aren't those countries thriving? Look at Europe. Europe, the entire continent, is a, is a continent of renters, not owners. They're renters. Mm-hmm. They talk about the wonderfulness of you know three generations living together. They have no choice. <laughs> they have to live together. Um, so it's just strange to me that we that we want to do to this country uh, what I, I mean. Talk to any European that's moved to America. Talk to any talk to anybody who's moved from an Eastern Bloc country that's moved to America. Because I know I know plenty of them around here and also in New York. My wife's a New Yorker. And you talk to these people and they go, "Oh my God, what's happening in this country now is the reason why I left my country." And it, yet, it's just weird. It's just strange. It's like it's a strange drug that's running around, and making people think that 
Uh, you know, I think it comes down to people's dreams being broken, and they get mad at other people for their success. They get mad. Look, I'm a 13-year overnight success. I grew up in a hugely Democrat family. My parents were Walter Mondale, Hubert Humphrey, Minnesota Democrats. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, when I voted my first time in my life, I vote. I voted for Reagan. My dad was beside himself, and I said, Dad, I mean, I really think you know Carter's going to go down as one of the worst presidents we've ever had, and I was right. So it was. Uh, even back then in college, as, as, a, as a freshman, I knew that something was weird about the way that this guy was turning the country. And, uh, you know, you can bash Trump all you want, but he's saying a lot of the stuff that uh, most people want to say, but they're afraid to say. For me, being a, a Christian and a conservative in Hollywood, um, if it wasn't for independent movies, I would never career anymore. That's how much anger and hatred they have. Mm-hmm. So I just do what I can on my own. I don't have an agent more. I don't have a manager anymore. And uh, I just find it amazing that people can't find middle ground. I don't get upset if somebody has a different political or religious viewpoint than I do. It doesn't, you know, I, I don't get all crazy and get angry and start screaming to the heavens. So uh, it's, if you knew the answer and I knew the answer, I, I, I wish I could share it with you or you could share it with me because I don't get it. It's it's been tough. Uh, I've had to bite my tongue a lot of times. Uh, a lot of people that I've worked very closely with, um, I don't I don't expose or expose my political views or my religious views or anything like that when I'm in a professional setting. Uh, right. But like after we get off set and I'm sitting at the bar with <clears throat> with other journalists, and they'll just start going off because they think I'm on their side. They think I'm I'm one of them. They'll just like they'll trash blue collar workers, which I'm I'm still a blue collar worker. I grew up in construction, and they're just like, well, these people are just stupid. They're just rednecks. I'm like, well, they're good people. I, I trust those people more to do something for me when I'm in my time of need than any of you people that I work with in the entertainment industry. <laughs> I I yeah. just I I think they've been so conditioned by a bubble that they're in, where. They think they're at the top. There's the, there's that drunken feel that comes with elitism. I'll say that as being uh, a former atheist. It, it you feel that superiority, and you look at everyone that believes in something that you think or you believe yourself is not factual, and so you can say to them, "Well, you're you're dumb for believing this," and I feel better about myself because I'm I'm just in this ivory tower, and it you're kind of blowing smoke up your ass so much. That you forget that these people are human, and that we need to treat each other as humans, regardless of our beliefs. I mean, I may not agree with everything you believe in. You may not agree with everything I believe in, but we can't treat each other as as the enemy when we're all striving for the same thing in the end. Well, this whole mentality is if it's free, it's me is is insane because mm-hmm. nothing is free. Somebody else has to pay for it all the time. <laughs> Uh, we've got, you know, you got this billionaire George Soros out there funding all these riots. You look at Ferguson and Baltimore and stuff. Most of those people weren't even from that area. They get bust in and they get paid to sit there and cause problems. And, uh, you know, why people think that they should get, you know, it, that that person is successful, so curse them. I mean, we're getting rid of the American dream. The whole idea was when people moved to this country was to pursue the American dream. And now we've got half the country wants open borders. Really? You just want, and these are the same people. I guarantee you, they lock their car wherever they go. They lock their home every night. How hypocritical <laughs> is that? They want the, the doors to America wide open, but boy, they're going to protect what they got on their own. So I, I think these guys are hypocrites. They should unlock their cars wherever they go, roll their windows down, take the doors off their homes, and just you know have that sort of mentality. Then 
They're the ones who should take in these people coming across. There's caravan coming up right now. you got CNN and MSNBC saying these are mothers and kids, single moms. And then you see the photos and you see the reality. 70% are men under the age of 35. 70%. Why can't they just say that? Why can't they just say this is what's coming towards the border right now? And they've already got proof that quite a number of them are Middle Easterners. What are Middle Easterners? Oh, I forget. It's the peaceful religion. <laughs> Christians are the ones that are doing all the terrorism in the world. And you can't even get the media to say even that. They bash Christianity, but, boy, you better not say a word about Muslims. Because that's just the, you know, the peaceful religion. I don't get it. It's so bizarre to me. It's so weird to me that this is going on in our country right now. It's, it, it seems Christians are the, the easier target to go after, even like popular quote unquote e celebrities when i see when I see a review for one of your films or any other uh, uh Christian religious film, it's usually by the same people, and they're usually very snide about it yeah. but th- there's they go beyond uh, you can you could say there's you could say there's a poor acting in a scene or you could say that um that the overall message doesn't appeal to you, so it's quote unquote bad. But then they just they just keep going and going like there's no end to just how mean you can be just because you're a safe target. If it were any other film about any other any other group of people, it would be verboten. <laughs> it would be oh, yeah. completely untouchable. <laughs> oh, they never say it to my face. They don't have the, they don't have the bravery to say it to my face. They're actually a bunch of cowards because they sit in their little apartment complexes and they two o'clock in the morning and type out all their hatred. But they've got no balls at all. These guys, they're a bunch, they're a bunch of wusses. And uh, I never get approached by people in, in public that that. And I know I pass them. I know I see them. But they you know they say nothing to me because they they they're they're cowards. All of them are cowards. And they are they don't like it if other people have success. They hate it. They hate that they can't get out of their apartment, that they can't go buy a house. They can't, look, I didn't grow up in that stuff. I grew up on hand-me-downs from my older brothers. You know, my dad was mm-hmm. a school teacher. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. I'm the fourth of five kids. You know, I, I know what it's like to get powdered milk and powdered scrambled eggs, you know. So, um, <laughs> but, but, you know, we had love in our family. We had my dad, even though he you know, says he's a Democrat, he pushed hard work on all of us. He said, you work hard all your life. That's how you do things in life. So, I mean, you look at JFK, listen to JFK's uh, inauguration speech in 1960. There's not a Democrat that sounds like that today. You know, both parties have moved further and further to the left, but the Republican Party has so many rhinos in it. I mean, it's just, it's amazing. I'm, I'm blown away that now, um, you know, yeah, we gained some seats in the Senate, which is awesome, but I, I still can't believe the number of people uh, that just are some Democrats that have voted into the House. I'm mean, look at that and go, you got to be kidding me. This is where the country's going moving further and further left and left and left. I'm worried about what my kids are going to have 40 years from now because it's it's pretty scary. It's, it's a miracle Trump got elected. You and I and the rest of the world would be in prison for all the corrupt and criminal activities that Hillary Clinton did. How she gets away with all that she gets away with? If they're, if they're, the Clinton Foundation was so amazing, why did it shut down the minute she lost the election? <laughs> you know, they're funneling money out of the country. I mean, these guys are crooks. There's, there's no doubt they're crooks of the activity and the things that they do. And I'm not, I'm not sitting here blowing the horns of Republicans either. There's so much corruption in Washington, D.C. I tell people all the time, vote everybody out. You know, to me, Trump is a godsend for what this guy's doing. I mean, Obama doubled the unemployment in the black population. He doubled people living on food stamps. I mean, the guy's a total Marxist socialist, and that's what he wanted to do. He wants government to be the big uh, caretaker from cradle to grave. And it's just, it's just 
amazing that people are blind to. But if you grow up with it and you think that it's okay just to not work or do anything and have somebody else pay for your existence, then you just get lazy and you get used to it. And that's what's going on in our country right now. Uh, I could never, I could never picture a time of not having to work for what I have. Um, when the recession hit, uh, the company I was working for closed down. That was the first time since I was 14 that I had been without a job. So for nine months, with nine months on unemployment was pro- probably the worst time of my life. While other people were thinking like, oh, it's a, it's a nice paid vacation. I'm like, I'm not being productive. I'm not getting anything done. I'm not earning this income that I have. And I don't, I don't, I guess it's just the way you're brought up or the, the principles that you have that what you, what you get is, is earned. It should be earned. Um, and I, I couldn't imagine bringing my daughter up in that household where I'd say, yeah, someone else is going to provide for you. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, my, I started paper when I was nine years old. For seven years, I got out of bed six days a week at 4.30 in the morning from grade school into high school. And delivered 80 newspapers in the Minnesota winters. Okay, so I, you know, I bought my first car. I bought it with my money. And when you when you purchase things with your own money, you care about them a lot more. If you have skin in the game, you care a lot more. If you're just getting free iPhones and free Michael Jordan tennis shoes from the government and you lose them, you just get another one. You don't care. Mm-hmm. There's no pride in ownership. There's no, you know, you don't care if your yard looks good or if your street looks good. You don't care. That's why most rental properties usually have to be renovated when they're finally sold. Yeah. <laughs> I hate to say it, but I, I've, I've purchased a rental before. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, I wasn't able to afford my first house until I, I was in my 30s, in my mid-30s, and that was because of Hercules. If I didn't have that job, paying job, I wouldn't. I was in apartments up until then, you know, and that's, mm-hmm. uh, you know what, my, my goal was always to get out of them. My goal was to work hard and keep doing it. I mean, when I came to L.A., I didn't know what sold. I just pounded the pavement. I remember one agent telling me one time, you know, oh, I can't send you in every job, Kevin. I mean, I got other clients. I said, I don't care about your other clients. They don't care about me either. I said, you get me in the room and at least let me, let me have the opportunity to be rejected because this whole business is about rejection. So just let me get out there and just improve what I can do. What do you what do you feel is the most rewarding thing about your career overall? That I moved out here and I made it. I mean, I knew since 11 years old I was going to be successful as an actor. It was in my it was there. I came out here like I said, I didn't know a soul, and I I had a double major marketing and advertising in college, and I say I marketed and advertised myself because if you're an actor, you're your own product. You know, I mean, you get a lot of these. I mean, I'm it, it, it's. It really just comes down to treating it like a business. And that's the advice I got from a buddy of mine back home in Minnesota. He said, remember, it's called show business, not show show. And I've always remember that. It's a business. And you've got to get out there and just pound the pavement. And, uh, you know, I've had my success. I mean, I'm ready to leave California now. we got our house for sale. I'm done. I mean, I love the state geographically. I love the weather. It's awesome. But I'm sick of the politics, the taxes, the traffic. I'm sick of it. They've lost 2,000 businesses. Since 2008, over 2,000 businesses, including billion-dollar companies like Toyota, to mom and dad, dad, you know, flower stands on the side of the street, have left for Nevada, Arizona, Texas, you know, Tennessee, whatever. They've all gotten out of here. And they, their answer to all this income they're losing was to raise their estate tax from 10% to 13.5%. Like, that's going to help things. They make business here so difficult. Uh, Pelosi, Feinstein, I mean, these women have been in office for 30 years, and California keeps going downhill. We're ranked in the bottom three in public education, and yet they keep voting these people in. 
That's why they want all these illegal aliens to come into the country because they'll just get more voters. They don't care about people. They don't care about they, – they, all they want is more votes, more votes. It's all about power. It should be term limits. They should get eight years max for anybody in the House or in the Senate. Get them the heck out of there. You're done. There's no, no more careers out of these people. I mean, it just it amazes me, uh, the, the stupidity. It's, in, it's, the, it's the definition of insanity, right, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. You're not going to get that with someone like Pelosi or Feinstein. I mean, Pelosi made a comment last week saying that we want everybody to have San Francisco values, and I just went, what? <laughs> I, I it just cracked me up completely. Uh, yeah, there's a city with really big values. Uh, it, it all comes back to living in the bubble of the, that someone sure. someone that's lived in such a such a high life is not going to understand what it's like for anyone below three or four tax brackets below them. They have no idea. They have no yeah, idea. I live in the like bubble. So here's, here's one on Nixon. Okay, so I'm I'm talking about a Republican now. He when he was president, he made his uh, Secret Service. There was some event, whatever. They're driving by a Walmart. He'd never been in a Walmart. He said, "Let's go into the Walmart." And the Secret Service, well, sir, we've got to go in there and check. I'll make sure it's okay. He goes, oh, come on. Like, not, they're not expecting me to be there. So they go in there. They walk around for like an hour. He comes outside and gets back in his, you know, protective van, and he says, oh, my God, they've got everything in there. Which <laughs> so, it shows you they don't have any clue. And it's, 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 they're celebrities. They love the celebrity, you know, and it's, it's, it's as intoxicating as, for them as it is for these celebrities that do the superstar movies in, in Hollywood, you know. So, and so many of these big A-list actors that that are worth five hundred million dollars, they can afford to be socialists, right? They don't live that way. They got private <laughs> planes, beautiful homes around the world. They stay very protected. They got walls around everything they own. So, uh, you know, it's it's hypocrisy. Uh, you know, get rid of guns, and yet they walk around. They got bodyguards with guns. <laughs> so, it's it's. I don't know. I think there's pe- I, I don't know if people are just stupid or ignorant. I just think there's a lot of uneducated people, and they just get their news from people like John Stewart and Stephen Colbert. You know, so that's that's their validity of news. It, it's it's unfortunate uh, that that it's going that way. But luckily, I mean, if we if we can get one Trump in office that's not a career politician and has more or less. The American people in mind for well, they wouldn't even give him the do the credit he's due. Look what he's done. <laughs> I mean, it's unbelievable. But they pay no mind to that whatsoever. No, you I mean, can't you can't give someone a compliment because you have so much negativity lined up behind it that you know the compliment's not going to get you the ratings. Every every pseudo scandal will. Yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> Look, my movie left to be light. It's a wonderful movie. I hope people go out and see it. They're very well in theaters here. It's out on DVD and it's on streaming at Walmart. I mean, on Amazon, but it's also on Walmart right now. We 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 paired it with a uh, with a book right now, a devotional book. But here's the thing: they gave it a PG-13, and they did that on purpose. It's not a PG-13. I called the ratings board and I fought with them for a long time. And said, "You got to be. How is it a PG-13?" I started listening to all these other movies. Like you can take any Avenger movie. It's not Venom. Venom, they kill like 200 people in that movie. And they said, well, your character is an alcoholic and he's hooked on pharmaceutical drugs. Yeah, in the first 15 minutes, you see him drink a little bit and take some drugs. But he's not out of control. He's not killing anybody. But they gave it a PG-13 because they don't want families to go see it. I've had so many people on my fan site say, oh, I really want my 10-year-old. And I go, you can take your 10-year-old. This is Hollywood's way. They're very subtle. They're very well organized. 
And this is what they do to try to stop families, try to stop people from having any kind of success with movies that have values and morals to them. It's unbelievable what they do. Morals aren't going to sell merchandise. Morals are not going to sell the things that they want to move. They're, they're not – you as an artist do not matter, unfortunately. No. That's that's what I found out is from my own experience in Hollywood. It's just artistic integrity does not matter. No. Where do you live? I live in uh, Tampa, Florida. Oh, you're in Tampa. Okay. See, we're looking to move out that way. Oh, yeah. I would – I would actually greatly appreciate it if you did, because our movie industry died, <laughs> and we oh, yeah, need more. George is taking everything right now. My 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 wife's sister lives in Davis Island. Oh really? I'm heading your way. December second, I start the 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 second movie of uh, Bernie the Dolphin. Bernie the Dolphin's a Lionsgate movie. We shot it out in St. Pete, Tampa last year at this time. It, it comes out in theaters December seventh. It's a kids movie it's for you know kids under twelve, thirteen years old. But yeah. Lionsgate loved it so much, they, they, they didn't even know if it was going to be successful, but they ordered the sequel. I'll be out there from December 2nd till the 22nd filming it in St. Pete. So if you, if you need a, a journalist to come do a set visit, I'd be more than happy to. Well, you got, you got my number there, so I got yours. But, uh, yeah, that, I mean, it's, it's – it's, so uh, we're looking to move to Naples, but, God, I cannot believe how close you guys almost nominated a socialist governor. I, yeah, just by 1%. Uh, I mean, when I read that, the polls last night, it was amazing. Here, here's the thing. A lot of these people that have left California have moved to Florida, have moved to Nashville, have moved to Dallas, have moved to Nevada, and they're people that are liberals. And they got out of California because they didn't like what's happening here. But they moved to those states, like Colorado, which is now pretty much a purple state, turning turning blue pretty soon. And they moved to those states, and still they vote for the same type of people that – they wanted to get away from in the first place. It's it's unbelievable, and you see it happening. And, and, and for that guy to get that close um, to becoming your governor, I said, Mike, and he would have raised taxes. He would have put a state tax on you guys. The reason people move to Florida is to get away from those high taxes. I, they probably get their money from higher property taxes. I don't know, but um, it's crazy. It's crazy what's going on right now. Yeah, most of a lot of our income comes from um, tourists, uh, so I, I I don't see the purpose of having a state tax. I mean that would that would oh. kill a lot of families here. Well, sure it would, and that's the reason why Nevada doesn't have. I mean they get it all from the from the gaming industry. From the you know they get tons of money because Vegas pulls in so many dollars, and uh, that's where they get their money from. So I don't know. It's it, it, it speaks volumes when you see so many people thinking that socialism is a wonderful thing. That oh, wouldn't it be great if we were all the same? We're not all the same. You know, well, darn Tiger Woods for being such a good golfer. When he wins the Masters, all the other golfers feel bad. They should all get a million-dollar check and a green jacket so they don't feel so bad. <laughs> you know, and that's where participation trophies came in. Uh, I may envy people like you that made it as an actor where people like I failed, but I'm not going to discredit or I'm not going to put myself on the same level as the ability you have when I don't have it. I'm going to I'm gonna play to my strengths and be happy with it or try to improve on what I lack. I'm not going to expect people to hand things to me just because I feel bad about it. Well, you know, it, it, it comes down to a lot of things. I think when I moved out here and I look at the acting classes I was in and the number of actors – that I met through the years, most of them are not in the business anymore. 95% of them have left because it eats you up and spits you out. It's a horrible business. I just love being on a set, but the whole process of trying to get a job and get there, 
it's brutal, and it's just it's, it's a, such a power play on the other side of the camera. And you know, did I get lucky? Yeah, I got lucky. But you know what? I, I created my own luck as well, and I and I came through at the times I needed to come through, and it paid off for me. And to be in a show like Hercules, that ends up going seven years and the most watched TV show in the world. It's pretty cool to be a part of something like that, you know. So uh, I, you know, I count my blessings. I don't take it for granted, but I also realize that I worked my butt to get there. So.